Hello and welcome to the 34th episode of the Dominionated Podcast 20 or 20. I'm your host, Mackenzie Cameron. Dorothea Paz agreed to come on this show to talk about her stunning debut album, Anything Can't Happen, because she was told by me and her PR person that the interview would only last for about 20 minutes. But as you may have gathered from the runtime on this episode, we went a little bit longer than that. And while I'm sorry for asking Dorothea so many questions, I do think our chat gives a pretty good insight into how she arrived at this moment in her musical career and the work and thought that went into this new record. So here now to prep you for our talk, from her album, Anything Can't Happen, this is Dorothea Paz with a bit of a song called Container. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about your new album. As I mentioned before, we did our my formal fake little intro. Is I've been listening to your album, walking around. The trees are blooming, tulips and hyacinths are coming out of the ground, and it, I don't know. It feels spiritually right to me that your album is coming out um, soon. When this podcast comes out, it will be tomorrow that your album is coming out, which nice. Um, for anyone who, uh, has not listened to the show before, how it works is I have about 20 questions to ask Dorothea. Uh, if we don't ask all those questions because she has so many things to say, <laughs> then that's okay. Uh, if we ask all those questions in less than 20 minutes, that's also okay. Whichever one of those comes first. Uh, does that all sound good to you? I agree. You agree. I agree as well. Uh, I'm going to start my timer here and I'm going to, uh, I guess you're a born and bred Torontonian. Is that correct? That is correct. Born 
and raised. I was born at East York General Hospital. Nice. I, I was born at uh, North York General Hospital. That's there you a go. Great hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to any of these hospitals in a while, but I'm sure they're all good ones. Um, much much love to ho- all hospitals everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, growing up in the city, like, was music a major part of your life? Always. In in its ways, yeah, for sure. I kind of I had an interesting relationship to it I was raised very Christian Mm. and I mostly was like my my mom wanted us to listen to Christian music so I feel like I wasn't connected to music and you would if you were like you know the child of a musician who would like take you to shows and stuff I wasn't connected to that but I definitely loved music since I was a baby my mom famously says that I I was singing church songs before I could talk I'm sure everybody says that about their babies but had a real musical upbringing in the church and my dad was like a kind of like he was like a steely dan head and like a he loved like stevie wonder and the beatles and stuff so i had various sources of music coming in and and i was also in an opera choir so those are my big musical influences. an opera what is an opera choir i don't actually i've never heard of that before i know i didn't either it's not something that is connected to my life in any other way except for the fact that my next door neighbor joined this choir called the Canadian Children's Opera Chorus, which is like, so you know the COC, the Canadian Opera Company? It's like the children's subsidiary of that. So like, it just is like a choir where we sang opera songs. And my parents have no connection to opera or classical music, but they just put me in because my next door neighbor was in it. And she dropped out after a year, but I kept going for like 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And did you sing in church choir as well? There wasn't really a choir. It was more like a band. Like it was like a, mm. a contemporary that sounds, music. That's that's cool. It was cool, honestly. Looking back, it's like sort of like uh, the first place that I saw a band happen. And I guess in lieu of like having a, a band, like a, a relationship to like uh, artists or concerts in the city, I would watch every Sunday people was like an electric guitarist and a drummer and like backup singers and it kind of has I actually saw a tweet yesterday from Jabuki that was like Pentecostal churches small Pentecostal churches sound like DIY house shows and I was like honestly true like it was it's very like you know you also learn how to do sound because there always has to be a sound person so you can like find your niche of like what you want to learn and then like figure it out that way so I kind of appreciate that. I think that's I'm not, I think you know what I think like there are obviously like cooler ways to get into music or be or fall in love with music in that way but like whatever does it I think right like mm-hmm. so so cool um and then as far as your career or or your inclination to start writing music and performing music when did that um begin um that was like, I think in earnest, it was like in high school, in my last year of high school. Um, before, like, I feel like as a kid, like, I, I think sometimes about how, like, one of the toys we had was the little Fisher Price tape recorder, where you put the tape in and use a microphone to, like, you can, you could just, it was a very cool toy. I think about that toy and I think about how I would want to, like, buy that for any kids in my life because it's so simple, but it just, like, works, like, 
so well that you can just create an actual real tape that can then be used to like, it just feels very pro for like a baby. So I would like make radio shows and like make up songs after school on that little Fisher Price thing. So maybe there was like a creative instinct that was nurtured. And then when I was like in my last year of high school, I tried writing, I would write like mostly Christian songs. Cause also I was like so steeped in that culture that I was like, to be a musician is to be a worship singer or to like write yeah. songs for church. So I would like write these like kind of Christian songs. And then it wasn't until I went to university that I kind of figured out what I wanted to be as a musician outside of religion. Well, yeah, so so from what I can tell, your music career kind of begins in Kingston, um, which I, is not necessarily in your kind of marketing materials, but <laughs> yeah. I do know you spent four years there because it was the same four years that I spent there. Wait, really? I believe <laughs> so. I, I'm not sure if we met. Um, did you do CFRC though? I did CFRC, yeah. What? Okay, then how did we not meet? Wait a second. <sighs> this is this is not, this makes no sense. We must have met. You do we must familiar. Have, I mean, I was a we so I was um in a band in Kingston as well, but we were we were kind of doing more like um like hardcore shows, I guess. Like Okay, nice. Um, cool band. We were called, uh, well, we had a, a few different names. We were called Last Flowers, and then we were called uh, Carvings. Oh, I remember that. I, okay, I, so. Yeah. I, I don't remember, like, specifics, but I remember seeing that name. We were around. I was actually. Play at the Artel? We played at the Artel. We played at the Mansion. We played oh, everywhere. We, like, had very similar paths, but we just maybe didn't fully ever intersect. Yeah, for whatever reason. Um you know, I know Paul uh, Saulnier uh, yeah. is a big part of your current musical world. Yeah. Um, was that experience in Kingston as a as an artist, uh, kind of getting your footing as maybe transitioning out of that like spiritual church driven thing into more of like this underground kind of weirdo art rock thing? Mm-hmm. Was that experience pivotal for you? Like, what do you remember about making music in Kingston? It definitely was. It was, yeah, it was a very, um, it was a big time of change for me because I went to university still very Christian and I had been like kind of very critical of it and like, you know, getting all confused and like sort of wrestling with what it meant to be a part of that community even when I was going there, but I think I like in the beginning sort of clung to it as still my safety zone within this like broader university, which is like a weird place to be. And the culture is kind of messed up. And I think I just like, I mean, throughout my whole time at Queens, I think I really distanced myself from the mainstream culture there either by in first year being like, I'm just gonna like do these groups with like other Christians who love social justice. And then in my second and third and fourth year being like, no, I'm gonna be a musician. And like, I think radio was like a good pivot place to like find my way to that path, like switching over. I think, yeah, I feel like it was a big time for me in terms of like just learning so much and like expanding my worldview and like changing some of my beliefs or like at least like reckoning with things that I've been wrestling with for a while and I think in some ways I think of music scene stuff as kind of parallel to like a church community like there's like this kind of binding 
like sort of spiritual principle of like in some ways music can feel spiritual it also is like this network that you can always tap into of like sort of like a tangible support among people with a shared um, set of values possibly so I think there's like some sense in the way that it, it I crossed over from one community to the other but also it was like an interesting time because I felt like I was uh, yeah like with like music I felt like I, I was lacking a lot of reference points that my peers had or I felt like kind of like I wasn't necessarily cool in the right way or something and I felt kind of like I really wanted to be a part of this new group but also like was reckoning with my own past and my own set of like tastes and I think it's taken a long time for me to like kind of legitimize my past experience with like religion and music and not feel like ashamed of it or like I have to like like the right things or know the right things to be cool in this group so I feel like over time I demystified that like I think it's intimidating to enter a new scene like that but over totally. time it felt like very good and, and it was fundamental to like continuing to be a music musician figured out how to be a musician there sort of mm -hmm. I mean from what I remember about Kingston is that like it the music community there is like a, it's small mm -hmm. and like all kind of interconnected but it's like there's a landmine which is the whole university that's right in the center of it that kind of like displaces it all in a weird way or like mm -hmm. makes it very hard to actually like for anything to really actually happen there mm -hmm. because it's like well there's a d there's you know the hot dj is coming to <laughs> stages or whatever and it's hard to it's hard to like to i think create too too much of like an actual community there mm-hmm that is like a, I don't know, a thing that grows and, and continues. Yeah, people are always leaving. Yes, like well, it's the other through. We're, I mean, I, you and I are both obviously uh, part of that. Uh, yeah. The, the tran, the transience of the town for sure. Yeah. I feel like connected, like doing music stuff there. At least I felt helped me connect a little bit more to like a sense of Kingston that wasn't rooted in mm -hmm. like that four-year cycle and like I feel like there's a lot of division where people want like from the university don't want like to a very disturbing degree like want to isolate themselves from the community and yeah. I think it helped to be a part of the music scene there like for instance like Paul and Liam who played on my album are both like born and raised in Kingston so I feel like there's like some and Liam still lives there so like there's some I feel more connection to like what it is to be from there versus like this kind of cyclical nature of it. But I think that they definitely expressed the feeling of like, Paul would be like, it's weird to like watch people come into your life and become friends and then they leave. And then it makes it challenging, but there's a, I like having the connection to it. And it feels like a, it's sort of like an, a, a place where like maybe if I was in Toronto or Montreal, I don't know how it would have, I don't know what the path would have been for me to like figure out how to start a band and start writing songs but in Kingston it felt very like manageable and like the size of it helped it to feel like I, I knew who the people were that I wanted to meet and talk to and like who would set up shows and it was this very small like contained thing that really I think helped get things off the ground and then also being situated between the two main cities meant that like we like interacted with a lot of musicians from bigger cities so it, I think it was kind of perfect in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I feel 
pretty much the same way about all those things um, from my own experience for sure. So then, so obviously after, after um, your time in Kingston, you've returned to Toronto, you've released a handful of EPs and singles, but your new album, as we've talked about, Anything Can't Happen, is your proper debut um, full-length record. And listening to it, like, it's clear to me that a lot of work was put into it to making it. And I mean that from both like a musical perspective, um, but also from a personal perspective. Yeah. Was making this record a long process for you? It really was. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it started, I think most of the songs like I started in 2016 and like it just takes I'm someone who works very slowly, it takes a long time for me to figure out how to write a song. I always feel like, I, like I'm, I have no more ideas. I'm like, oh, well, I've written all the songs I can. I don't know where <laughs> I'm going to get another song from. And then all of a sudden it materializes somehow. But I'm not someone who's like a prolific songwriter or like churning things out. I feel like I will very slowly process themes in my life through like my notebook, I, I'm trying to increase the amount of time I spend writing so that like, I think most of the songs were written after a period where I like resolved to start writing more. So just by like having a notebook around me all the time and writing things down, I was able to create this like kind of, they're not even like lyrics, but just like a mass of like thoughts and reflections and over time could like see themes emerge and like think about what I've really been, like what's been relevant in my life lately. And then like from there, like drawing out like things that seemed like they could be lyrics. So I feel like my process for writing is like sort of like a crystallization of the experiences that I have. So it takes a long time to get there. So the writing itself takes a long time. And then also just figuring out how to logistically put a record together for the first time was very it actually like went very well but it just everything takes longer than like we think it will like just like I was really lucky to feel like connected to because of probably coming up in that sort of DIY scene like there's people that I like have met and have friendships with through music that could like connect me to like you know, an affordable studio space or like things people were like willing to like kind of do favors in some way because we have like this interchange of like, you do something for me, I do something for you. So I had like no budget going in, just paying out of pocket for things. And I had no like real, I didn't get the grant I applied for. So I was just kind of like stringing things together. So the fact that it came out sounding really good is like pretty impressive to me because it was like I just at every phase would just be like I don't know how to do this but I'm just gonna try like messaging my friend I guess and asking if I can use their studio or if they would want to do this with me or and then so just gradually like piecing together like I'm sure the second one is going to be or I would hope it's going to be a lot smoother or like kind of more contained because it just was like yeah but, it was, but I'm very glad for the process that we had because it I think it just is what it is. Like it's made the record something that feels very me because it has all these different kind of hi-fi, lo-fi, very personal elements to it. Yeah. And I always <laughs> said at every stage, 
if you lead from, if you make decisions from the heart, you'll end up with something heartfelt. That was how I always would comfort myself when I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do this process. I would just be like, just make a decision from the heart and it will be a heartfelt product, which is kind of corny, but it was helpful. I know that, you know, in the interim, like between, say, 2016 and now, you have done a lot of different work with a lot of different um, musicians around Toronto and, and bands in Toronto. I'm wondering if you can identify, you know, some musical influ influences here, whether that be something you're a fan of or whether it's something maybe you learned more like philosophically from working with U.S. girls or other mm -hmm. musicians in the community that is that kind of came through on this album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I feel like the biggest sonic touch point that probably jumps out is, yes, I have listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell, have kind of learned how to sing through her music. And so I think, and also like Tajira got really deep into that album for a while and like really wanted to like use some of her like ideas about like textures and like layers from that album to like jump off in my own work and see if I can prompt some different explorations of those concepts. So that was a really big one. Like the song Amelia and the song Tajira were two songs that felt like foundational to this and also Tea Leaf Prophecy. And like, so those songs felt like very grounding. And then another one was um, Something's On Your Mind by Karen Dalton. I feel like I had never heard of her or heard that song, but I used to work at Hot Docs and during one run of the film Rumble, the Indians that rocked the world, we um, did like, we screened it for like three weeks straight. And cause it was like the winner of the audience choice. And there was um, in the end credits that song plays. And I had never heard it before, but I just like, was like, I would be like out cleaning, sweeping and be like, what is that song? That song is beautiful. And I would like look it up and I was like, it, it just was like a pivotal moment for me of like exploring deeper into that like moment of 70s folk and like kind of out of that I got the idea for container and I wanted to like try to bring in some of her like finger picking and like think about how that song feels so like kind of grounded in that chord that it returns to so I wanted to like write something like that and then yeah what else with the I mean Jennifer Castle I've I've always been inspired by since I was like started at university. I was, I was a stan, you know, had the castle music CD very, very much 
love her as a musician and then to be able to sing with her was like a very fulfilling thing and she and like to learn that she's also just like a hilarious person and like to fill <laughs> yeah to like complete that circle is so good so I think her like her writing and her like singing have definitely been fundamental to my like figuring out how to be a songwriter throughout this time yeah I'm, I'm something I'm drawn to about your songs is kind of the lack of traditional structure yeah. lack of lack of structure is not that sounds negative it's it's not like that it's just it, yeah. it's not necessarily a verse chorus verse chorus situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um is that something that like you're conscious of or is that just a a product of your workflow or i don't know yeah i definitely take it as a compliment not as a there's nothing negative about that to me i like it I, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I think it might be just a pro- product of how I write on guitar. Cause I think I just, I usually start, I always start songs with the guitar part. And I think I'll just like be noodling and improvising for a long time. And then I'll come onto like a little section that I really like and I'll like memorize that and then I'll store it away. And then maybe like a few months later, I'll come up with another section that I like and then another one and then I'll just find a way to like bring them together. So I think it has to do with just like the format through which I come up with the musical ideas is usually like not, I don't, I've, I'm experimenting more with repetition, like with container or like songs where I'm like, okay, I'll do like kind of an ABAB structure or like kind of return. I like to like take, you know, the song through like a, a set of like through an experience of like, it doesn't always have to be so, like typical strong song structure, but kind of like being like, where where would like surprise the listener? Like, where could I take this that would be like, whoa, why are we here? And then where could I take this that's like, ah, we're back. Okay, this feels good. And then like slightly also, I think my process has been informed by like mistakes that I've made over time. Like if I am doing, if I'm trying to do a repeated thing and then I like, go to the wrong chord by accident, I'll try to like keep that chord in and be like, okay, that feels like unexpected and strange, but it kind of works. And then I'll like stay there. Like on one of my older songs soon that happened, like, and I ended up, it ended up being my favorite part of the song where I like go up to a B flat instead of going back to like the A or whatever. And like those little turns that are kind of like happy accidents, I feel like are something that I try to keep in mind so that it, I think people just, I know I like feeling surprised, like. I, I like feeling like you all of a sudden open up into a new song and then it just takes you. I feel like there's lots of touchstones for that that weren't necessarily influential. But now that I've like, I, I've recently had like my wings phase and I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of like what I'm doing. And I don't, it's not that I had listened to a lot of wings when I was writing, but it's like, I think we're on the same wavelength or something. <laughs> and like, <laughs> And for me, like, I like rap a lot. I listen to a lot of rap and R&B. And I feel like maybe that is in some ways, I like, I love the feeling of like a beat switch or like when you feel like you're like all of a sudden in a new song or like, I was really influenced by like Blonde when I was writing these songs and like the ways that like, you know, a song like Nights kind of like opens up into a whole new vista. And I like the visual of just kind of like being like, whoa, where am I now? So on songs like, 
closer to mine. That was my goal was to like have the, the structure of the song fall away and you feel like you're in a new song. And like songs where you're like, literally have to check your phone to be like, wait, this is still the same song. I like that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> the closer to mine is a great example of that when it comes in kind of like with the motoric fast fast beat thing it's mm -hmm. i every time it surprises me every oh, time good. i listen to it and it's uh it's a great feeling and i also feel that way it's like a different it's a different change but it has the same effect on uh, the title track where mm -hmm. the the huge end comes in which always just like oh. like i i love that part so much i'm proud um, of that one that one feels like oh. I don't know how that happened. That song was like a different song before. I had written a few of the different parts separately, but then they weren't coming together and I would like play it with my band and it would just like not work. And then I did like, I wrote that middle section separately and like kind of Frankenstein them all together and it just ended up feeling so right. But it's the kind of thing where like, I would, I don't know how I get there. It just ends up working sometimes. <laughs> It it definitely works. It's it. I mean, it sounds like to me. It's very. It has a real. Um, obviously, like kind of like Laurel Canyon, mm -hmm. big harmonies vibe, but it also feels quite like uh, ch church, mm -hmm. like choiry. Like that. That is all in there. I think. Yeah, I think for a long time I like didn't use harmonies on my recordings, even though harmonies is like my favorite thing to do. And I think I really on this album just wanted to like lean into the fact that I love. To harmonize and go full hog with it because it feels so good and yeah I'm glad I got to do that a little bit sing a lot about interacting with your own mind mm -hmm. on this record there's a lot of a lot of kind of references to you figuring yourself out and I'm wondering if you use your writing and music to make sense of yourself is that like a, a something that you consciously are doing that is a very good question I I wonder I mean I must you might you simply, you simply must i agree i think i i think i like i don't know i think of my songs as like a byproduct like my life mm. is like my life and my friendships and my therapy is like a factory and the songs are the product that comes out i feel like they're not but then that's not really fair because then writing the songs is also processing so i think they're also in the factory like 
I think the finished product of the songs, they don't always feel like, like when I finish a song, I'm not always like, oh, I there, I've summed it up. I've, I don't feel like this immediate like sense of like clarity about my songs because I think they're so like literally diaristic that I just like go into my notebook and like pull something out and then get, I memorize it and I just get used to singing it and it doesn't, it kind of takes on this other purpose, this other meaning, but then sometimes like years later, I'll look back and then it'll hit me and I'll be like, oh, that was actually quite salient. Like that actually makes sense. And that, that connects to my life in a way that is more tangible, but in the moment, it's just like, it doesn't feel like I'm really working something out as much. It just feels like a kind of process of like, write it down, edit it, memorize it, sing it. That's a song. I mean, I must be discerning. I don't know. What do you think? I think, I think that, I think that, you know, I feel like I've, I've listened to many songwriters talk about maybe writing something and then looking back and being, being able to be like, Oh yeah, of course. That's exactly what I was going through or dealing with at the time. So it makes sense to me that it, um, that you're not like, you're not like, okay, I'm going to therapize myself. No, I think through writing this song. No, not usually. I don't think, although sometimes it's a very like natural outpouring. Like I think like for a song like container, the whole first half of the song I wrote, just like I was walking down the street and I had a feeling and then I just like took out my phone and wrote stream of consciousness the whole first half of the song so like that is one instance where it's not really edited at all pretty much it was just like a stream of consciousness thought and then the second half of it was like an earlier thought that I had had and I just noticed the connection between the two I like doing that in a song where it's like these ideas are connected, but they're not explicitly connected because I think we like to make these connections ourselves as listeners. Like, so the first verse being about just like this stream of consciousness thought about like my frustration with the relationship. And then the second half being kind of an earlier rumination about just general, like trying to understand anxiety as it manifests in my life and that they're really very connected. Like on Closer to Mine, I feel like that one is, Similarly to how like the two parts feel different musically, I feel like, but they connect in their way. I feel like lyrically it's the same because the first half is really just about like job stress and like um, like when you're in a hard situation, do you leave it or do you try to fix it? And then from there, like with my body, do I like pretend I never have had any insecurity and just like pretend I've always loved myself or do I like fake it till I make it just like these kind of like questions that we have about like how do I relate to these like stresses in my life and then the second half I just like kind of dive off into a rumination about like love but then because of that first verse I feel like that like rumination is anchored in like also the awareness of like how when I enter into relationship, I carry with me all these various things. Like I have this relationship to my body. I have a relationship to like myself as like a worker. I don't know. It just, it feels like it can be connected, but there's a lot of off the cuff stream of consciousness stuff that then gets connected to a broader like theme in my life. And that's why I feel like it is kind of like maybe my degree went to good use of like literary analysis. Cause I feel like I look at my journal and I, I analyze it and I make connections and then I, bring it like 
I present it in such a way that to me, I know there's connections, but I want the listener to also make those on their own, not make it too obvious. I think, I mean, I think you achieve that. And I think by putting out, you know, by exploring all those different things that everybody thinks about and what, you know, whether, whatever it's about, they're always, you're always carrying everything with you Mm -hmm. all the time. So like, it makes it more, I think it presents you as a relatable person. Thank you. (laughs) I hope so. That's what I want. I like the idea that it feels like intimate in some way or that it's like, I think, I don't know. I don't think of my songs as like necessarily like outwardly political or kind of like sort of like densely laden with like a lot of um, like heavy handed messages. But I think I hope that like through intimacy and like the sort of getting at the heart of a feeling, there's like a chance for a connection that feels very like open and vulnerable and human. and, And like, I feel like from that basis of like, being able to explore those feelings, we're able to like extend into all those other areas of our lives more fully. So in that sense, I feel like it's sort of a, hopefully there's still like a meaning behind it. (laughs) So before we were talking about, um, you know, finding that community in the DIY scene in Kingston and and then transferring to, to Toronto and kind of that taking the place of church and, and having that, you know, congregation and community via music i'm curious if maintaining that sense of musical community and connection has been um a difficult thing to do during the pandemic and mm-hmm. i'm which i'm i assume it has but um has there been like have you been surprised by how that community kind of has remained intact despite of it as well yeah it has been difficult it's been like a little bit it's been pretty sad at certain points like we were supposed to go on the u.s girls tour it was like this like sort of big new experience in my life that ended up being totally canceled and i think like there was like a sadness that i sort of dis like i displaced it because i was like well it's not my tragedy it's it's the world's tragedy also it's not tragic it's just sad and there's worse things happening but i think like amidst all that there's like layers of sadness that get like kind of unpacked as the months go on of like oh yeah this is not the life I saw myself having I feel pretty cut off from that part of my life and I think it took me a really long time to like even come to a place where I want to work on writing music or just especially like vocally I haven't felt capable not capable but I haven't felt prepared to like write anything lyrically or vocally in a long time. I've been kind of noodling away at guitar, but I think there's like a lot of like emotional heaviness that is like, it made me realize that it's harder than I thought it was to do this type of writing because it feels very connected to like how I'm feeling emotionally. And I think the way that I've mainly maintained the feeling of connection to music is through releasing this album. like having this as a project has been very helpful and grounding because it helped me like there was like a tangible thing that like, okay, I'm still a musician, even though this feels completely disconnected. Like I have this project I can work on. I'm in touch with like Max and Steve as they're mixing it. Like where I was able to also do some backup vocals remotely for different people. Like 
I think having projects, remote projects has really helped with that, but the actual in-person side of it is really sad when I think about it. I think like, obviously there's like a whole world of nuanced and multi-layered sadness and loss that's been happening. And the like psychic weight of that is so heavy. And I think it makes sense to like protect ourselves from those thoughts most of the time. But when I do think about it, sometimes I feel very sad but it's been like, there's things like, you know, Susu, like Alana and some other friends put that together, like, and like, you know, seeing how the music scene can change from like, you know, a place where we all can like play shows to like, hopefully, ideally a network of people that can tangibly support each other. So like when people are in crisis, how do we respond? And like, I think it's easy to like idealize the DIY scene or be like, it's better than the, other types of scenes but I think we all have our limitations and problems to work through but I think it's cool to see like certain people like mobilizing tangible support networks out of our music scene like Susu or like ESN that like to see friends doing those things feels like a nice extension of hopefully the tenets of like a DIY scene which are not always upheld so it's cool to see people being like yeah being good in that way yeah yeah no i think so too and i mean like even just kind of from an outside perspective to see the way everyone who you've mentioned and like this whole scene kind of like work on each other's music and show up in the credits of everyone's different albums like i was listening to the dan edmonds album the other day which is like so which is a total embodiment of that mm-hmm. um you know it, it is i imagine that for everyone it feels you you all feel as disconnected as everyone else does but it is cool to see that there is still that connection there and i hope that once you know we're all allowed to go outside again and be close to each other that it will kind of manifest in something that was maybe even better than before yeah that's an ideal i hope so i hope so too i i feel that way i think that is it's been really good to be able to still do those types of projects. Love doing the Dan thing. Very, very fun. Yeah. Very like open collaborative <laughs> mode. Like people just like dropping in and doing a, a session. I did all of those parts in like two days. Just this was before pandemic, but yeah, it was, mm. it was very, it was one of the most like kind of freely spontaneous um, musical experiences I've had in a while, just like off the cuff making shit up vibes which i know <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we're over our time okay uh, which is okay um, <laughs> i often go over the time um but i always like to end uh by asking for a recommendation of an artist or an album that um generally canadian artist or album that um you think maybe people who like your record should hear or that you've been really enjoying recently um is there any and and please if you feel like you want to say more than one please do because often people do um is there anything you can recommend for us someone that i've been really excited about and i got to do one of my only remote show with is pool blood and i think she's an amazing songwriter that just like hits on this kind of like perfect like pop punk like she just like knows they just know how to like hit on the satisfying pop structure in a way. So I know they're probably working on 
some new music at the moment and have an album out. And I'm, I'm very much following their career and excited to see where it goes. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Dorothy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me about your record, which is beautiful. And I hope everyone goes che and checks out and watches Toronto bloom into <laughs> a green, a green urban oasis uh, while they listen to your music. Uh, it's been great to connect with you and thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk with you. Twenty or Twenty is brought to you by Dominionated, Canada's best Canadian-only music website, in my opinion. To discover your next favorite Canadian artist, follow us at Dominionated on all the social platforms, visit the site dominionated.ca, and please tell your friends to do the same. Our theme song and original music is by Taylor Barrow. You can follow him at a really slow runner on Instagram. No vowels in that other than the A at the start. The show is produced by me, Mackenzie Cameron. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mackenzie Cameron. No vowels in Cameron. Please like and subscribe and rate on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You can email me, mac at dominionated.ca with any questions or comments or concerns. Subscribe to our Patreon, $1 a month, and you can get an exclusive MP3 from a different Canadian artist each month. Thank you again to Dorothea for being on the show. Next week, I connect with Winnipeg's Jeremy Haywood, a.k.a. Jay Wood, to talk about his reimagined new EP, Some Days. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.